So we'll, get, we'll jump back into Ecclesiastes next week. Um, this week I just want to talk about something, um, Lord willing, help us as we think about this new year and our approach to the Sunday meeting. Um, so let me read from Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 18. Soon afterwards, actually I'm going to go to four, and when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, Jesus, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock and as it grew up, it withered away because It had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And he said these things, and as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God, the ones along the path are those who have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who Hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care, then, how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for just this opportunity to meet. We thank you for this time where we get to open up your word. And Lord, we ask that you would speak to us through your word. Through your word being read and through your word being preached, we ask that you would give us soft hearts that we might receive what you sow through your word, and that you would, Lord, give us those ears to hear, that, Lord, we wouldn't just listen, but we would actually hear what it is you're saying to us. Lord, we want to grow, and Lord, we know you want us to grow, because we know that you're the one who's always at work in our lives, that as we seek to work out our own salvation, Lord, with this fear and trembling, we know that ultimately it's you that's at work in us. It's you that pours out your spirit upon us. It's you that gives life. And so, Lord, would you give us life this morning? Would you give us those ears that we need and a heart that beats for you? And, Lord, would you create in us this expectation to be met by you, to encounter you through your word, through your word being proclaimed. Lord, would you surprise and delight us. Lord, we walk in here, Lord, after a long week, thinking about the next week, Lord, with many distractions, but would you surprise and delight each one of us with your presence and your power and your specific truth that specifically meets us right where we're at today, that we might patiently endure and that we might run this race of faith with great endurance and great joy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, last week, as I was sitting in church listening 
to Phil preach, I was overwhelmed. It's kind of like the end of the year type of thing as well. I've been thinking about a lot of things, but I was overwhelmed with God's kindness to us as a church for just allowing us to meet regularly in 2023. I, I don't take those things for granted. I know you guys probably don't take those things for granted, especially after what we encountered in 2020, but I, I love meeting together with all of you. It's also overwhelmed with God's grace in providing so many faithful brothers and sisters to just live life together with. And so usually I'm, if you're new here, usually I, I'm the one who gets to preach most of the time up front. And there's a times where, where I don't preach. And one of the things I like to do when I'm not preaching is I like to not sit in the front row and I like to sit in the back. And I just like to observe. I like to see what else is going on. I like to see what the children's ministry teachers are doing. I like to just look out at all of you and just thank God for being able to run this race together with all of you. And um, I want to thank you for being a part of this church. And so God was doing a number of things as I was listening to Phil preach from Ephesians chapter 2. Then I began to think about 2024 and the fact that by the grace of God, we will get to do this again 52 times. We'll get to gather together on Sunday morning and really in many ways kind of do the same old ordinary thing week in and week out. And I thank God for that. Thank God that we get to gather together and we get to sing wonderful songs, praising God and being reminded through our voices as we lift up songs like from everlasting to everlasting, he is God. I was telling somebody as they were practicing that song, I was saying, man, if you can just capture that one truth today, your life will be better. If you can just acknowledge for one moment that you're not God, but we do have a God, and he's always been God, and he will always be God, and he will always reign and rule over our lives. Your, your life will just be better. No matter what you experience today, just be able to acknowledge, I'm not God, but he is. And he's a wonderful God. And he's at work in all things. And, and we get to do that 52 times this year. This means that 52 times this year, we're going to open up our Bibles as well and hear God's very words preached to us. And these are words that he's breathed out into holy men so that they might have recorded them for us. So he wouldn't just speak to them, but he would speak to all men and women throughout all generations. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, it says this, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. 52 times this year, we're going to be taught the Word of God. 52 times this year, God is going to reprove us, correct us, and train us in righteousness that, that He might equip us through his word, so that we might grow in our faith and that we might walk in those good works that he's prepared for us to walk in. 52 times this year, we're going to be given the opportunity to hear God's word. But the question for us this morning is, will we really hear it? We might listen to it, but, but will we hear what God is saying to us? We all have these ears to hear. So that's what Jesus was kind of getting at in that parable. And so he's acknowledging, you, you have these ears, and you're able to hear. But then he, he calls into this, this truth of, pay careful attention to how you hear. And as I sat in the back, and even as I preach sometimes, I was having this silly discussion with um, somebody as well, like, like we want to hear, Right? But the reality is we all get distracted, including myself. I often find myself being distracted by all sorts of things. You're probably experiencing a little bit of this right now. My mind, it's a busy thing. It, it just likes to think about anything it possibly can, as much as possible, as long as possible. It, it likes to think about sports a lot. And so I get distracted by people who wear sports hats. And so we got guys that like to wear the Vikings hat. And that distracts me because I'm a Lions fan. I got guys that know I'm a Michigan Wolverine fan because I grew up in Michigan. And they already just, they taunt me as soon as they walk in. I don't know that we have a lot of Michigan fans here. It's sad. 
I get it. I totally get it. But anyways, you understand my mind, like even as I'm preaching, it just, it just wants to go somewhere else besides here. And so I think about sports a lot. It likes to think about what I'd rather be doing instead of being here and what God has called me to do. It just does that. I can think about what I got planned later today. As I'm sitting in one of these chairs and my mind just goes there. It likes to worry about the future too, and not just my future. It likes to think about lunch sometimes, and I know yours does as well, especially as you see that clock and your stomach starts to say, hey, I'm hungry. You immediately begin to think, are we going to canyons or are we going somewhere else while somebody's preaching? What I've learned is it just, it honestly just takes work, doesn't it, to hear what God is saying to us through his word week in and week out. Listening to a sermon, it's, it's not like turning on the TV or booting up your computer and turning Netflix on and just kind of sitting there and being entertained for 40 minutes. It's not the same thing. Listening to a sermon, it, it just requires some effort. It requires some discipline. It requires some self-control, and it requires the grace of God and His Spirit at work in us, helping us to see what's being said, hear what's being said, and then not just to hear it, but then be affected by it. So that we might grab just one bit of truth from it and, and be changed just a little bit for the glory of God. And, and this just takes effort. And so what we're going to learn this morning, and what I'd like to discuss at the beginning of 2024 is, is really this one truth. This one truth. Since God has given us ears to hear, we should pay careful attention to how we hear Him through His Word being preached. Let me say that again. Since God has given us ears to hear, we should pay careful attention to how we hear Him through his word being preached. And so we're going to sort of dig into that truth and look at five very practical ways. And these are just very practical ways for us to, to really seek to apply. Well, well, what is paying careful attention to hearing God through the preached word actually look like? And so this is just application points. And the first point is this. We should, expect to, we should expect God to speak to us. Point number one, we should expect God to speak to us. So again, in 2 Timothy 3.16, we learn that the Bible is made up of God's very words. His words that he breathed out and into holy men for them to record in their own voices and with their own sort of style of writing. But at the end of the day, we know that they might be the human author of what we have in here, that there is ultimately God who is the author of the entire thing as he's breathed these words out into these men so that he might speak to us, so that we might hear his voice. And so that's what we have. The Bible's not made up of just this book full of random sort of letters and writings from different people throughout different generations that somehow just kind of got pulled together. No, God in his wisdom, that's what I love about God. He's perfect in all of his ways. He knows how to do this stuff. He knows how to use the right people at the right time to accomplish his right purposes. And that's what we have here. He breathed these out at the right time into the right men so that they would be recorded the right way and preserved throughout all generations so that he would speak not just to those people, but he would speak to us every time we open this thing up. His voice would be heard and that we might hear. That's, that's all part of God's wisdom. And so these are his words that he is speaking to us. This is what sets the Bible apart from just any other writing. This is why we open this thing up and we read this when we gather together and we seek to exhort it and teach it. Because these are God's words, not my words. These are God's very words given to us. This is also what makes the Bible and its words so effective and powerful. Isaiah 55, verse 10, the prophet wrote the following. He says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out of my mouth, 
It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Isn't that amazing? God's word is powerful. It always accomplishes his good purposes. It's effective. It goes out and it comes back doing what God had intended it to do. And it's also alive. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is living and it's active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Anytime you sit down to read your Bible, you have to understand that you're not just reading any book. You're reading God's very words to his people, to you, to me, to us, as we gather together in a context like this, and he's speaking to us through them. And he's accomplishing things in our life every time this is opened and read and proclaimed. I had a professor, his name was Mike Bulmer. You've heard me share things about him in the past. And so he's a pastor. He used to teach at a seminary. Um, he's also a professor at the pastor's college where I went many years ago. And one of the things he would say is that, is that when you'd open this thing up, he said, you, you want to just sort of imagine that God's face is looking out at you from every single page. And what he's getting at there is it's just a, a simple little reminder that I've found helpful over time as I'm trying to read through this. And, and some things are not always as clear in my mind as they might be in somebody else's mind. And I'm trying to figure out, okay, Lord, what are you saying in here? Just, just having that mental image of, of these are God's words. He's speaking these things through the power of his spirit because it's not a dead word. It's a, a live word where he accomplished his good purposes all the time. He's always doing this. And so it, it's, it's helpful sometimes just to be reminded, God is speaking to me, and right now he's speaking to us through his word. And it kind of leads to say, well, what are you saying? Help me to hear what you're saying, Lord, but, but he's doing this. I'm sharing this with you because God calls elders and pastors and people who stand in pulpits like this to, to speak in a way where these words really are alive. He says this in 1 Peter 4, 11, when he's just kind of talking about the gifts. He's giving gifts to those in the church. And, and he just says, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. And so to me, that's a sobering verse as God calls me to stand up here at times. That I'm not up here just kind of sharing the news. I'm not up here just to tell you about the Michigan Wolverines and how great of a season they're having. As much fun as I could do that. For some reason, that just comes. God's called me to stand up here, open this thing up, and to speak as though they're not my words. I'm called to speak his words that are found here in this text and proclaim them to you so that you might encounter God through his word. His word. Not my word. His word. Every week... We seek to spend about 40 minutes together in God's word, listening to it being preached so that we might encounter him. So we don't come here just to listen to whoever's speaking. We come here each week to encounter God, to encounter him through his word because we know that he's speaking to us. We know that he's called us and he's gathering us to say something to us from his word that might encourage us, build us up, train us, teach us. Reprove us, correct us. All those things that Timothy tells us, or Paul told Timothy, that his word accomplishes. Christopher Ash, he's written a little book. It's called Listen Up. We have a number of those little pamphlets in the bookstore. And he had this to say. He said, The preacher stands in the great tradition of prophets and apostles who speak the word of God. Unlike them, the Christian pre preacher cannot offer new or fresh ideas to add to the Bible, but like them, there is this borrowed authority to speak what God wants spoken. And he says, we ought to listen to this kind of sermon with the utmost seriousness. And what I would say, we ought to listen to this with this also, not just seriousness, but an expectation. 
an expectation that, that God is going to say something to you. He's going to say something to us as a church through his word. And he's going to do it every single week that we gather as long as we're faithful to preach this. As long as we're faithful to keep our noses in this book and allow for God to speak out to us and through it. So there's nothing casual going on here during these 40 minutes that we gather together to hear God's word being preached to us. Every week we gather to hear God's voice through his word. And every week he speaks to us in some way, seeking to accomplish his good purposes. So next week, or you can start applying it right now, as you prepare to hear God through his word being preached, these are just some practical things to think about. Pray. Pray that God would give you and others just a hunger to hear his voice. A hunger to hear his voice. You can't manufacture that. You can do things to sort of fan that into a flame. But what what I like to tell my wife and what I like to tell others is, is God just has to show up, doesn't he? He just has to soften our hearts. He has to give us ears that actually hear. And he has to give us this this mind that can can wrap our our sort of mind around what he's saying to us. And so we want to pray for that. Pray and ask God for that. That's a dangerous prayer because he's going to answer that. See, he's spoken to us and he wants to speak to us and he wants to answer prayers and he wants to lead us all according to his will. And so pray along those lines for that hunger and an increased expectation to hear God. Prepare your heart and mind. This is really simple. This is just a, and by that I just mean, read the text in advance. And so we've been going through Ecclesiastes, and so we just kind of systematically go through that book. But there's this thing Anita does, is she sends out this email every Saturday. And if you're a member of our church or she's hunted you down and got your email, you, you get an email from her on Saturdays and Mondays. And one of the things she says on Saturdays, she just says, so-and-so's preaching from this text and it's this title. And so that's information. But one of the ways for us is we're trying to develop sort of ears that really hear. And I think it's going to lead to when we get to point four, you're going to understand a little bit more is, is it helps us understand, well, what's he going to say? What, what's whoever is preaching, what are they actually going to talk about? And so you get an opportunity. I don't mean like spending hours and hours on it. You can. I just mean just read the text before you show up in this room. Just one way to prepare our hearts. And just ask God to speak to you in the church. Ask him to give you those ears to hear. And come with this sense of expectation. I like to say it like this, or my prayer is, Lord, would you surprise and delight us today as a church? Do whatever it is you want to do, but just surprise and delight us with your amazing grace and encouragement. Do whatever it is you want to do, and Lord, just accomplish your good purposes. Then you just kind of sit back and you watch, and you got to look for it. The second thing that we learn in regards to hearing, maybe growing in hearing, is point number two, humbly admit that God is sovereign and true. If these, talking about the words of God found in our Bibles, if they're his very words, then then I think part of being humble means that we just submit our lives, our beliefs, to God and his ways. Recognizing that he's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, he's God from everlasting to everlasting, and the fact that he is true. And so we take anything we think and we take anything we believe And we just submit it to God and his word. We allow for God and his word to sort of pick apart what we believe and what we think and and what we're sort of into at that moment. Numbers 23 verse 19 says, God is not man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? This is scripture just saying, listen, God is true. Everything he says is right. It's always right. It's always true. There's there's no lying from God. He's perfect in all of his word and all of his ways. And again, he's he's also all wise. He knows the best way to accomplish his good purposes. 
using the right people at the right time to produce the right result. That's just how God works. He's always right, and he's always at work, and he's always true. And he's always at work in our lives for the good of those who love him. So with all these things being true, what we learn is that good hearers then submit themselves to God, his word, and his ways. Good hearers don't look for ways to dismiss the truth we find in here. Instead, good hearers look for the truth to sort of inform and guide what we really believe at the moment. That's why when Paul writing to Timothy said, this is good to teach you. This is good to correct you. This is good to reprove you. This is good to train you in righteousness that you might be complete and equipped for the good works that God's called you to walk in. The problem, though, is that we all walk into a room like this with certain beliefs that we already hold on to in life. Some of these beliefs have been shaped by God's word as we've read it privately. Others have been shaped maybe by our favorite sort of talking head that's out there or a favorite internet pastor. Some have been shaped by our parents and the world that we've grown up in. We also allow for circumstances to shape the way we think about the world and how it works. And so we kind of try to put things together and we think, okay, if I do this, it must be okay because this is the outcome I've gotten. And so I'm going to continue to do this so that I might continue to get this outcome. And so we kind of slide through life just sort of trying to figure things out. We bring those things into every message. We let our peers shape our beliefs. We all believe something about life, and these beliefs shape the way we live. They shape the way we interact with other people. They just shape everything about us. And so what we're getting at here is we need to take those beliefs, and we can't hold on to them like this. But instead, we we hold on to them like this, and we submit them to this. And we let God and his word sort of pick those things apart and then shape us so that we might be trained in righteousness, so that we might be corrected, because we might actually be going this way when God is saying, no, this is the narrow path. An example, you might think you can say whatever it is you want to anybody whenever it is you want. Okay, we, we all have that type of speech where we're in those moments where we just kind of, we say something. It might be out of frustration or you might just be in the habit of gossiping and slandering and just think, well, that's okay because this is, this is my friend here or whatever it might be. But, but one of my favorite scriptures comes from Ephesians 4.29. And I, I find myself just saying it a lot. And here's what it says. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. So when you just think about your language, the words that you use, just think about your last conflict for a moment and the words that came out of your mouth. And so when we come to a message, we allow for God's word to speak to us because what God was saying, I heard what you said, but here's here's how I intend for you to use those words. And so you might find yourself being corrected or you you might find yourself actually being trained in righteousness at this moment. Or he might be equipping you for the next conflict you get into and you get into that conflict and you think, okay, what fits the the occasion at this moment? And it's easy to stand up here and say that. But listen, I know what it's like to be in those moments where you know Ephesians 4.29 to be true. That seed's been sown. You're trying to get it to bear fruit. And you're just in that moment. You're like, I have no idea what to say right now. I I know I need to speak something that fits the occasion, that builds up, that gives grace, but guess what? I can't think of anything. And so my default is I'm just not going to say anything. Because I don't want to let a corrupting word come out of my mouth. Now, I do let corrupting words come out of my mouth, but you get the point here. God's word guides us and shapes us. And when we approach a Sunday message and we want to hear, we just take whatever it is we're thinking, we take the life that we've been living if we're, we're walking in certain sins, and we just submit it to God and his ways. Acknowledge that he's true and we're not. So next week, as you sit here and you listen to God's word being preached, ask God to help you humbly accept his truth. Like one of the things is when you walk through the doors or wherever it is you're going to church, is, is you walk in and you just say, Lord, train me, teach me, correct me, reprove me, do what you want. Adjust me where I need to be adjusted. Build me up where I need to be built up. 
And after the message, this is sort of a, a practical one you can get into today as well, is, is we're all listening to the same thing. And so as we're all listening to the same thing and we gather together, it's okay to just say, what did you hear from the message? Where, where were you challenged in the way you thought about God? Was there any area of your life that you felt like God is, is just sort of putting his, his hand on, shining some light into that you feel like you might need to repent of or change? And obviously you can use the right person for something like that. All right, third point number three. Make sure the preacher is saying what the Bible is saying. This is very important, okay? Very important. A good hearer does not just listen passively. Listening requires our attention and our critical thinking. Just because I stand up here or Phil stands up here, somebody else stands up here, or because they have the word pastor in front of their name and they're saying something, listen, it doesn't mean that what they're saying is always true. It doesn't, the only thing that's sort of unfallible and true is here, it's just, or infallible, is God's word. And God's called us to preach it and to proclaim it. And, and listen, we work really, really hard and we pray, Lord, help us to be faithful to your text. And we trust him to help us do that. But at the end of the day, we're human. Meaning we're not in heaven yet, not perfect. Meaning sin still remains in our lives and we have weaknesses and those are exposed at times when I start to speak or Phil starts to speak in some way at some point. And so when we sit down to listen to a message, we just don't sit back to be entertained. We engage it. And we listen expectantly and sort of critically. It's really important that we do this, that, that we examine what comes out of my mouth or whoever's mouth and just say, okay, I hear what you're saying, but is it here? It's helpful. This is like one of the things I was taught as well as I was learning to be a pastor. It's like, and you're preaching is, is what we want is we want this and this. Say something and it's right here in the text. So our, our heads are up and down, up and down. What, what does God say about that? And so we listen and we listen intently. It's kind of like reading a book. So I, I like to read a lot. I, mean, I read lots of things from all sorts of different things. And right now I'm in this book. I'm in a number of books, but one of the books is not a Christian book, and it's on identity. And I find it fascinating. But if you were to open up that book, and it's sort of a thick one, and you look, and you, I also am writing while I'm reading. It's just marked up all over the place because I'm not just reading passively. And so I circle things, I star things, I'm engaging it, and the author will say something, and I'm just thinking, that's just not true. Like your presupposition and your sort of answer to the world's problems in regards to identity, like you're just starting from the wrong place. And you'd see that written in my columns of my book with scripture verses there. Just so if I ever got to talk to this guy, like he, or if I give him the book and say, here's what I thought about your book. And I like his book, but it just helps me think. But I'm not swallowing everything he's saying and just saying, yeah, that's a great book. It's true. I'm going to change my whole life just because you said this. No, we change our whole life because this is what God says. We build our lives on this. And so as you sit and listen, you you have to examine. And so what I recommend here, as you think about applying texts like this to your life, is to take notes. You don't have to take notes. I get it. Some people are good at that. Some people aren't. You just have to fight to figure out, okay, how am I going to examine these things? But notes may be a part of that. Where you write something down. Some people like to write word for word. I, I, I don't. I'm just looking for one little thing. Highlighting things. I feel like God's highlighting. Putting me in there. And then I follow back up with those things. Just, just what I recommend is whatever works for you. To be engaged. Again, just a sort of a trial and error. In our fourth point, we learn that we should listen to the sermon. So we're talking about being a good hearer here. Listen to the sermon in church on Sundays regularly. There are 52 Sundays in a year. And by the grace of God, we will gather 52 times this year to worship God and hear God speak to us through his word being preached. Now, the Greek word for church in our Bibles is ekklesia. And it literally just means this, called out assembly or congregation. And so when you're reading about the church in the New Testament and you, and you see the word church there, he's, he's talking about called out people who are called to assemble. You get that? It's, it's, that's really important, isn't it? 
When we talk about the church, it's not just individual Christians sort of living your life there in Ackworth and Woodstock and Holly Springs and Marietta and, and all over the place. But, but the church is a gathered group of believers called to live life together, to assemble. And we see how this assembly works in the New Testament where if you just open up your Bible, you'll see these letters written to local churches. You have Ephesians written to a local churches in Ephesus, Thessalonica, Thessalonians. It's the same thing. These letters were written to specific groups of local churches gathering together to, to grow and learn. And so we are kind of like that. We have an expression of our own local church, and there's a ton of them around here. The point is we're called to assemble. We're called to look each other in the eyes. We're called to sit in context like this and and hear the word read and preached at the same time together where we can just look around for a moment and say, yeah, this is what the Lord's doing. He's called us to live life together today. Christopher Ashe again wrote the following. He said, the church was defined by the call of the word of God to gather under the word of God. It began when God said to Moses, assemble the people before me to hear my words, Deuteronomy 4.10. This set the standard shape and pattern for the people of God who are gathered by the word of God. God takes the initiative to summon them and us and gather to sit together under the word of God to hear my words to be shaped together by his words. God's purpose is not to shape a collection of individuals to be each like Christ, but to form a Christ-like people. That's why he kind of refers to us, you see this in the New Testament, as, as the body of Christ. Or if you look up the, the lists of gifts that, that Christ gives to the people in his church, not everybody has the same gift or not everybody has all the gifts. Some people might be an eye, some people might be a hand, foot, whatever it might be. But the purpose is because it's meant to be a body. Not a collection of just individuals kind of doing their own thing, but, but we are a body of Christ, a local church that's meant to grow together more and more like Christ. That's why we do things like church discipline. One of the reasons, it's really important, because the body of Christ needs to be moving in a certain direction. It looks more and more like Christ, not less and less like Christ, because he's shaping us into a Christ-like body. That's what we seek to do here as we gather together. And this is one of the reasons why it's so important that we do not neglect to meet with one another. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25 says this, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Now see, like he's in those verses, he's sharing these things. Let us consider, let us hold to this confession of our hope without wavering. So he's saying it's something we do together. He's not saying you go home and you do this alone. You hold fast to your hope all by yourself. No, he's saying let us do it together. Let us consider how to stir one another up. You don't do that alone. You do it together. You stir up one another, and then he ends with this. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So as we think about being good hearers, we have ears to hear, but but we want to pay careful attention to our hearing. I I think what we learn from Scripture and what, what God is saying here, it's really important to be there. And I I need reminders of this. We all do, because when you do this year in and year out, 52 weeks a year, it can feel very ordinary. And it is ordinary. It can begin to feel very mundane. And you can begin to make a lot of excuses. And you can go on a lot of vacations. And if you're not careful, before you recognize it, before you know it, You've actually missed a lot of times together with the body. It's real easy to do. Go on vacation. It just overlaps more than you want to. And you get sick and somebody invites you to go here and you go do that and you go do those things. And again, listen, I'm not saying you can't miss a Sunday. Don't hear me say that. I understand. Vacation's important. When you get sick, nobody in here wants to get sick from you. 
So we trust the God to be God to be at work from those things. And so the way I, I think about it is more of the heart. And this is something to evaluate personally is, is are you eager to be together? Are you looking for ways to, to join the body, expecting God to cause us to grow? Or, or do you just kind of like just staple it on to sort of your life somewhere if it fits in? So it's really important to meet together. You can look it up. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25, not neglecting to meet together. Because God's called us to live life together, to be shaped into a more Christ-like body together. This leads us to our fifth and final point. Good hearers will apply the sermon personally and relationally. The difference between those who have ears to hear and those who actually hear is those is that those who actually hear sort of are affected by what they hear. And not just affected emotionally, but, but they seek to actually put it into practice. They're, they're looking to not just sort of be a hearer, but a doer, an applier. Seeking to sort of, as, as Ecclesiastes might teach us, fear God and obey His commandments. God's Word is meant to affect us, and it's meant to change us. It's meant to shape us and equip us for those good works. In James chapter 1, he says this, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Verse 22, he says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forget what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And so what we have here is there's just this call from God to not just look into it, not just to have those ears that kind of hear. I, I hear the noise that's coming out of his mouth, but to engage it, to submit our lives to it, and then to take it and, and seek to put it into practice. So it's okay. I'm going to go back to Ephesians 4.29. You, you heard Ephesians 4.29, but what James would say is that if you're really hearing it, the next time you want to speak a word that's going to corrupt, you're going to be reminded, no corrupting talk, but instead you're going to, you're going to by the grace of God, seek to apply that truth to that next time you open your mouth. And you're going to say, Lord, what do you want me to say here? What's going to build up? What's going to give grace? What's going to encourage that's what a doer of the word looks like. It's, I'm not talking about perfection here. We're just talking about doing. And we're going to jump into that in just a second. It's just sort of a practical way to do it. And so sermons aren't meant to be simply entertaining. We don't show up to be entertained. If you want to be entertained, you could, you could find a charismatic and gifted speaker just by opening up your phone and getting on some social media platform that's already got this algorithm sort of worked out to the way in which you've been searching things. And I guarantee if you have a social media, somebody famous has showed up in your feed saying something that you're like, that's really cool. Okay, you all know what that's like. And so you can find it there. You could also turn on Netflix or whatever it is you want to do, and you'll be entertained in those things. But unfortunately, our goal from this pulpit, it's not to entertain you. It's not to entertain you, but instead to preach God's word as faithfully, as faithfully as we can with the gifts that God has given to us. And what I've learned over 20 years, I've been preaching for now almost, I guess, over 20 years, is that some Sundays are better than others. And you guys know what that means. Like some Sundays are like, yeah, that was great. And then some Sundays are like, yeah, that's okay. But isn't that kind of just how life is? It's, it's kind of like our Bible readings like that, if we're honest. Like some of those mornings, it's just like, wow, like the Lord really said that. That happens to me all the time. There's just something that stands out, and it, for some reason, it'll stand out for like three months. And I just go back to that same verse. And right now, I think 
It's in Revelation chapter 2, and it's just talking about patiently endure, patiently endure. God was commending the churches for patiently enduring. And that's been something that really excites me, and that's been something I feel like the Lord's called me to, and so I live in that section of Scripture. I just want to patiently endure. I want our church to patiently endure. But guess what? That doesn't happen every, every time I open up my Bible. And so when we show up on Sundays, not every Sunday is going to be, wow, best sermon ever. Occasionally somebody comes, that's your best sermon ever. And that's encouraging. At least we're kind of moving and growing. But in reality, is there's just going to get a lot of ordinary messages. And not just from this pulpit, but from pretty much every pulpit. You're just going to get a lot of ordinary men standing up preaching God's word in an ordinary way to a bunch of ordinary people. I love that about God, how he works. This is patiently endure as he sows seed after seed after seed. The point of preaching is to connect God's word with God's people so that they might encounter God through his word and be changed by it. The point of listening to preaching is to really hear God's voice speak to us through his word being proclaimed so that we might encounter God and be changed by his word. And if we're going to be changed by his word, we we need to be doers of his word and not just hearers only. And there's many ways that we can do this. There's a lot of ways that you could just sort of work out and say, how do I apply something like this? But in closing, I just want to offer to you maybe a simple way of seeking to apply a message like this and be a doer of God's word and not just a hearer only. And what I would say is this, listen for one truth. And so as you've heard me speak now, You've heard a number of words come out of my mouth. This will happen every Sunday, whether it's me or Phil or Brandon or somebody else that's proclaiming God's word. They're going to have a lot of words. But I would encourage you in this way, just, just look for one truth. And hang on to that one truth. I was telling you about my Bible reading, patiently endure. That sort of fits into really about two chapters of words. But those are the only two words that stand out to me. I know the other ones, but those two are the ones that are sort of ingrained into my mind and are working their way into my heart. And so I just encourage you, as you think about listening to messages, you could write everything down. But the reality is most of us aren't going to leave here and be able to apply everything and think about it. We could listen to the messages later online and all that kind of stuff to review and stuff. But as you're listening, really just be listening for one truth. And be thinking about, how can I apply that one truth to my life? So here's what I do. And may you find this helpful. As you're listening and as you're walking away, I I ask questions like this and encourage you to to think about questions like this. Is What one truth stood out today from the sermon? I like to keep things really simple. I'm, I'm very ordinary. I'm not complex. The other questions I ask is, where, where did I sense God really speaking to me? So there's a lot of words, and not every word feels like, oh, I feel like God just said that to me. But there are moments where it's like, that stood out. And sometimes it stands out in a big way, and sometimes it's just like, huh. And so what might that be? And then lastly is, okay, well, how, how can I begin to apply that one truth to just one area of my life? And so the main point of this message, and when I preach, I, I give it like this. I, it's, a, it's called a prop. It's a propositional statement. It's the thing that I try to stick really close to. And it was this. <clears throat> Since God has given us ears to hear, we should pay careful attention to how we hear him through his preached word. And so, so that one truth might be the truth I'm walking away with. God's given me these things with this and this heart he's redeemed. And he's called me to be a hearer who pays close attention to my hearing. So, so how can we pay close attention to our hearing? Well, th- there's a thousand different ways you can apply that. And I've shared many of those with you. Y- you could do this. You could walk away and say, okay, this next week, what I'm going to do, the only thing I'm going to do from this message is, is I'm going to look for that email and I'm going to read the text before I walk into this building. Or I'm going to read that text before he reads the text. 
That's just one simple way of taking one truth and applying it to It doesn't have to be a ton of things. Or it could be, I'm going to take notes next week. I've never taken notes or I've stopped taking notes, but I'm just going to put a pen and paper, pen and paper in front of me. I'm going to see what happens. Or I'm going to commit to showing up regularly and just put myself before God's Word and just see what happens. It's kind of like showing up to the gym. I'm just going to show up and just kind of see what happens. Maybe I'll lift a weight or two. I don't know. But if I just put my car in the parking lot and if I walk through the door, I guarantee I might maybe just lift something once. But if you just show up regularly, who knows what God's going to do if, if, if He sows 50 of those words into your life and it bears a bunch of fruit? It could be a number of things. And I just encourage you to pick one. Take one bit of truth and apply it to one area of your life. And here, here's what you'll find out. This works its way out in, in our lives in, in so many different ways. Is it doesn't just stay in that one life, does it? Or one area. It typically sort of overflows into other areas of your life. And that's kind of how God works. He sows these seeds. And they begin to bear fruit. Slowly, over time, usually in very ordinary, mundane ways. But as Lord willing, we can look back after a year or after 10 years or after 20 years or how many years you've been a believer and you can throw all those Sunday sermons that you've listened to and had along with all those words that you've read privately. Chances are this almighty God who has called you and saved you, who has crushed his son to redeem you, is probably going to cause a lot of fruit to grow in your marriage or in your parenting or in your life. And that's what he does. He does it through our private reading, and he does it through this time we gather like this. So by the grace of God, church, may we have ears to hear. May we come on Sundays eager and expectant of a great God who wants to speak to us through his word and is going to speak to us through his word. And may he surprise and delight us in the way in which he does. May he transform us more and more into Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please bless us. Lord, we recognize that we can do nothing apart from you and your ways and your power at work in us. And so, Lord, be powerfully at work. Grab hold of our hearts. All of us, Lord, transform us, change us. Help us to love your word. Help us to sort of live with an excitement every time we, we encounter you together as a local church, just wondering, okay, well, what are you up to today? What are you going to do today? Who are you going to encourage? How are you going to build us up? How are you going to make us more like Christ? Where are you going to correct us? Lord, we, we trust you to be at work, and we ask that you would accomplish your good purposes in and through us today and this week and this year and for as long as you give us breath, Lord, work out your will in us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening. Uh, may the Lord pour out his spirit upon you. May the God who has given you ears to hear fill you with his spirit and a passion to know and apply the gospel of Jesus Christ. Have a great Sunday. Thank you.